Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This morning, Marty Bradley is here. Marty, thank you for taking time out of your morning. And hey, where thanks, are, where are you here. right now? I'm actually in Fort Lauderdale, looking okay. at the beach. That must be Wondering nice. why I'm inside and not on the beach. And I'm in New York looking out my window at a brick wall. Um, nice. Because that's how it goes here. <laughs> All right. Sounds so like most of my days. Yeah. Um, so before, I'm going to ask you about Elevate Agile. We're going to talk a little bit about the session you ran there. But before we get into that, can you give the folks that are listening some idea of your background and kind of the role you play as a principal consultant at Leading Agile? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I've been in IT, like most people, uh, at Leading Agile for a pretty long time. I uh, started out uh, on the technical side mostly, ran a couple startups, and um, my claim to fame after running my startup was really going back, uh, working with business executives that I tried to sell things to uh, that didn't actually like my product but loved my process, right? Like, I can turn features around in, in days, and they were fascinated by that, right? So that's uh, kind of what started my transformation journey. And what's happened, um, especially with Leading Agile, is they, our focus is really more on you know, how do you tie the business uh, together with the agile transformation? Uh, so I'm spending a lot more time, um, you know, at the C-suite and the executive level. Uh, so as a principal consultant for leading agile, that's what I do, right? I work with the executives at, and help them form the transformation uh, so that so that they can get what they need out of, out of their business. Okay. And, and just last week, one week ago today, you were at the uh, Elevate Agile Conference, which was our first ever conference. And it's different than a lot of the Agile events. How would you describe the intent of the conference? Well, the, the overall intent was really to, uh, you know, like the name said, was to elevate the conversation of Agile from being a, you know, kind of an IT-led thing. And we, we want to transform, we want to make IT better and help everybody understand that really the goal is to get better business outcomes. And the conference was around, how do we get that conversation in the C-suite and help them understand that really it doesn't make sense to go agile if you're not gonna get reach your business goals, right? Because that's the intent. Yeah, and a lot of people get swept up in that we should just go agile because like it's a thing all by itself and then you get mired in the transformation conversation. Exactly, exactly. And so we're trying to drive it more up to senior leadership talking about strategically, what, what is the point of this? What are you trying to get out of it? Yeah, I mean, what, what we really need, right, if you think about it, right, the job of the executive is really to cast the vision and, and then align the teams around that vision and to make sure that we're all moving towards the business goals of the organization, right? And, and, and the best way to really do that is to define business outcomes and then have the teams drive towards reaching those outcomes. And when you do that, if you make the outcomes clear and the measures clear, what you do is you enable your knowledge workers, your really smart people to go and solve a problem for you, right? So instead of stating the problem to go solve, uh, you give them an outcome that you want to achieve, right? And it could be increasing revenue or whatever. And we can talk in more detail what, what are good business outcomes and how they affect the team. But really, if, if you set up your organization, right, as you scale, uh, the interesting thing is, is that when we talk about agile and, and business agility, is it sounds chaotic at first, right? Because we have a tendency as agilists to describe and, and say, well, you know, we really can't give you a date because, you know, we're going to form and we're going to evolve and we're going to get feedback and it's going to change. So we're not exactly sure when we're going to be done. And that, that's not really true, right? As you, as you scale, you actually need more stability, right? And that's why in a lot of our, um, well, in all of our transformations and in a lot of our talks, 
we'll talk about the concept of structure, governance, and metrics, right? And that's where you put the guardrails around the teams, right? So if you think about the Army, they have a very clear structure on, you know, what your job is, what your roles are. Yeah. Um, and there's a governance model that explains, hey, this is when you're allowed to make your own decisions, and this is when you need to check with somebody, right? Right. And I'm not exactly sure their measures, but I'm sure they have very specific measurements on who's doing well and who isn't. And 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 what and what happens is then when you deploy your their teams to go do something, they understand what their goal is, and things change on the ground, right? They have enough people on the team to be able to make intelligent decisions to help them get to what their end goal is, right? Because you can't have an executive on the ground with every team, right? You'd never be able to make a decision. Everything would just come to a screeching halt. Okay. So I've got a question about executives and and Agile, and this isn't something that we talked about before, but I want to see what your thoughts on this are. I, I feel like when I talk to a lot of people in Agile, especially about transformation or organizations, and we get kind of higher up in the food chain, and the level of expertise rises, the conversation around Agile gets really kind of heavy with jargon and words and concepts and this rule and that rule and stuff. And it's almost like you're being kind of like minds bigger out of the room because I've read more books than you have. I've always assumed that executives don't read those books and don't talk about that stuff. Is that like they're more business oriented, right? Yeah, yeah, because they have their own jargon and their own <laughs> business to worry about, right? So, you know, what they care about, um, for example, um, you know, one of the examples I like to use because it's, it's fairly clear is that, like, if I'm an executive and, and one of my market lines is that I sell air purifiers, okay, right? what do I care about? I don't care about um, how you're going to implement it or whatever. What I care about is, I want you to increase sales by X amount in 2020. Okay. So what we would, what we would do with that executive is turn around and say, Hey, look, that's, that's a good goal, but it's hard to measure that. Right. And it's a very long-term goal. So if you want to lead your teams, let's talk about what you really want. Right. And you get down to it. And what you find out is he's like, all right, really? What I really want is I want to increase revenue by 10% quarter over quarter. And that's all he wants to talk about. So he wants the team now to go figure out how to do that. Right? Okay. How the team does that? How the team does that is they use agile techniques to now figure that out, right? So what they'll do is they'll start to investigate. It's like, okay, we've been given this assignment or, or goal outcome to increase revenue by ten percent quarter over quarter to quarter uh, of air purifier sales. Yeah. So there there could be a couple different ways they go out that right. They could increase the sales of the air purifier. They could. They could sell more filters, right? Because that's in the same product line. Maybe there are services they could sell, right? So the executive didn't tell them to do any one of those three things, right? He gave them an outcome to reach, and it's up to them to go figure out what's the best way to reach that outcome. So, for example, let's say they, they go and they say, you know what? Um, let, let's talk about increasing the air purifier sales. And so they go, they go to their market and they go to their salespeople and say, okay, you know, we're looking at the numbers and it looks like we're closing one in every 10 deals. If we closed uh, one in every eight deals, we'd increase and we wouldn't get to our 10% quarter over quarter, but we get to 8%. And that's pretty close, right? So let's, let's talk about that one. And so you go to the sales guys and you say, well, you know, why can't you close more deals? Why, why can't you get it to that? And they say, well, when I go and talk to the customers, they don't believe they need an air purifier. So it's really hard for me to convince them. So if we have a cross-functional team and, you know, we're trying to solve this problem, 
you know, one of the, one of the tech leads might go, hey, you know what we can do? We can build an app um, that'll show them the air quality outside as opposed to inside. And then we can show them that, hey, you know, um, with our air purifier, look at look at the increase in air quality, right? If they have kids, I mean, you know, you can really you can really yeah. ratchet that up, right? And it gets really emotional, right? And that's what you need for a sale. And sales guys like that's great. How long would it take to get that app? And developers there, and he goes, I don't know, maybe about two months. Well, the team now looks at each other and so, well, we're supposed to increase sales beginning now by ten percent quarter over quarter. If we if we wait two months for this app then we're going to miss this first quarter. Now we'll be okay the next couple quarters, but we're going to miss the first one. Um, and so what do we do? Do we go back and tell our, our, our boss that we can't reach that or do we find another way? And so somebody's like, okay, look, you know, so we, we don't even know if this app is going to work. What if, we'll, what if we print out an air quality report for a couple of our regions, take it to the sales guys and see if the report helps generate a couple more sales. Maybe we don't get to our number, but like, let's prove that out as like a hypothesis. Okay. So they create this, they create this report and they go out. And so if they start to see more sales, then maybe then it probably makes sense to go ahead and build the app. Right. Now, can I, can I bring in some jargon? Sure. I just want to see where you sit with this. Now, would you say that that initial report that we're giving to the sales guys to go run this experiment to test and see if this is actually valid, would you call that an MVP? I could, but I don't need to. Okay. I just, because people use that all the time and, and I can see where in this conversation, lots of people, which I know I'm going off the rails, but a lot of people would say, well, the app or whatever that is, that's the first thing we have to build, but you're trying to figure out if the app's even worth building. Right? Exactly. Right. So the, the pro and, and I agree MVP is getting kind of jargonish to me and, and I, I have a little bit, so this is a, this is a personal um, response I have to this. Okay. What happens when we first go into a transformation and we talk to the business and we talk and we say minimum viable product, what they hear is I'm not going to get what I want. Oh, wow. Okay. I have a different right. one. I have a retort to this as well. Go ahead. Which, which are, I'd like to hear yours because, um, you know, it's an interesting conversation, right? Because the concept is, is perfect, right? The concept is exactly what we want. I think it's the term that causes the problem. But. Yeah, I find that people don't know what it means. Like, to, to, I, I, in my classes, I'm always trying to explain to people, like, it's supposed to be the least amount of work you can produce that will deliver some measure of value and help you learn. But I find that people interpret it as what's the first thing I'm going to give someone? Like, what do I want to give them first? Right, right. As opposed and, to what's the least I can give them. Right. So if you think about your definition and what I described, this would be an MVP, right? You're, you're doing what is, the, what, is the quick, what is the quickest thing I can do to prove or de-risk what I want to really do? Yeah. Right? Okay. And and. And, and I'd, I'd argue that if, if, it, if you could do it all with paper and never had to create the app and you can Even get better. 8%, then you should probably stop, right? Yeah. Uh, but but that's, not what, that's not what people hear. So it's, it's interesting, right? That, and that, that term to me is loaded and I have... Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of personal feelings about it. I do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to take you off the rails there. But go ahead. That's right. the story. All right, so where was I? Oh, so... So what ends up happening, uh, what, so what I would argue in that case is if, if we had stuck with increased sales uh, in 2020, 
What would have naturally happened and what I've seen is that same conversation probably would have happened. Developer would have said, hey, I'll build an app. Everybody would have gone, that's a great idea. Let's build the app. Yeah. So now, because they have a whole year to increase the revenue, right? And, and, and they didn't really specify the amount. So, you know, they're going to make up, well, okay, so if we do that, we can increase revenue by 7% for a whole year. Okay, cool. We're increasing revenue. That's what we're going to measure against. So already they're misaligned with the executive. And, and, the, and the executive and the team doesn't know that, right? Because okay. they're going along uh, increasing revenue. Um, you know, the executive was thinking 10% quarter over quarter, and what he's going to get is 7% annual, right? Okay. Uh, and, and, and so what happens is by, by doing this, by aligning the teams, is it, it forced them to come up with a way to do something right away, right? Like if they didn't have that constraint of quarter over quarter, they probably wouldn't have thought through and said, hey, why don't we just test this with a piece of paper first? Maybe they would have, right? You know, that, you know there, there are people that just think that way. Yeah. But in general, what happens is, is if you constrain it, like constraints are actually good, right? As a developer, when I was challenged, that's when I wrote some of my best code. Yeah. Right? If, it was, if it was taking too long to run or whatever, and, you know, that's when I started like really figuring things out. So the challenge is, is good. Right. It may take them a while. They may think they're not going to get to it. But sure enough, you get a bunch of people in the room that, that are that are smart and heading towards a specific outcome. It's amazing the kind of the kind of stuff they do. Right. OK, so I'm going to ask this question and we can cut this out if you want to, because I don't know if this is going to fit or not. But um, there was an article in Harvard Business Review um, recently called Don't Let Metrics Undermine Your Business. And it talks all about surrogation, which is basically. I say you've got to increase this by this much and that's all you do. And that's basically what happened with Wells Fargo. Um, and they talk about how you need to keep the people that are going to be doing the actual work. Like one of the ways to protect against this is to make sure that the people that are going to be responsible for implementing it are part of developing the strategy. In what you described, if this person wants to increase revenue by X percent quarter over quarter, how do we protect against developers just building something that's just going to automatically jack up revenue and possibly create more risk somewhere else? So I worked for a um, software company that um, their goal was they, they came in and they wanted to increase revenue. So what they ended up doing was they turned it into a compliance issue. So okay. what happened was this product basically in, in the contract was written that you had to pay X amount for a certain amount of data that ran through our application, right? Yeah. Uh, so upfront, people would agree. And it was basically, you know, a gentleman's handshake, right? Because there wasn't anything in there that really measured and sent back how many records they were pushing through. Okay. Now, there, there were things in the system that we could have used, but, um, you know, we didn't do them. And, you know, it was just thought at that time that it was just wasn't the right thing to do to the client, right? Um, because, you know, then you get into how many unique records went through and all that stuff, right? So nobody wanted to do that. Well, this, the new sales exec came in and basically just told all the salespeople to be um, just brutal about compliance. Well, guess what? Revenue went up by like 25% and it, the company looked really healthy, um, had a lot of upset customers <laughs> and, and, and things just kind of went sideways. Right. Okay. Um, now they ended up being okay. Cause uh, they were sold. Maybe that was the intent, but 
I doubt that was the intent from the executive when he came and said, I need you to increase revenue. Okay. So, so, so some of it, I, I think, I think like anything, right. It's, um, you know, you have to, you have to trust the people that are uh, working with you and, and, and put some measures in place to be careful about local optimizations, right? Because that's, that's what'll happen, right? People, people see the goal and you set up, um, you set up ways to measure that. But when, when ends up happening is, is they get so focused on the measure that they don't understand the true outcome and the true intent. Yeah. And, and I don't know that there's a way to completely guard against that. Well, part of it, wouldn't it be culturally? I mean, if we're talking like the whole, one of the focuses of the conference and, and the talk to you gave was about the idea of business agility and that, that it's this whole, it's not just how the teams work. It's a, it's a cultural shift that's going to happen throughout the organization. And if, if everybody down to an individual team member knows that their responsibility is to protect the organization and, and to speak out and to say, Hey dude, this thing that you said we have to hit, it's going to, you know, we're, we're starting to game the metrics. Um, if we are, all, are in a culture where we all have to speak up about that, we're all responsible for it, then isn't that going to help protect it a little bit? Yeah. Well, yeah, it will. Right. And it, it, you have to remember that metrics are like, <laughs> Metrics are a view into and one view into the system, right? It's not the end all be all, right? Now I get if you're a public company and you have to increase revenue that they're not, it's just numbers, right? Yeah. But there's also there's also the discussion part of of um, like your 10K or whatever where the CEO explains why and what they're doing, right? So there are other things that you have to do in the system, right? You have to measure. Low, and you have to um, look at quarterly. There, there should be some sort of a quarterly, either um, an op- well, there's going to be an operations review, and that's where you get to very specifically numbers. But there should be a strategic review where you're looking at these metrics and going, are we are we moving towards what we wanted to do? Okay, air purifier sales, that's doing great. But what's happening over here? We have this other um, thing that we're trying to get to, and we're not getting there. Why is that happening? Yeah. That's when you're going to have those conversations where things are banging up against each other, right? And then, and then I think it is true that the culture itself has to maintain the culture. If you think about the way like Mike runs the company, yeah, one of the things that he's very cautious about as we grow is how do we not change the way we are, but understand that we have to change. Right? Okay. And. And, and how do I filter that in? Like we're having discussions now about, you know, our, you know, our organization is very flat. Yeah. And, but, but Mike can't address everybody in the organization that would like a promotion or would like a raise. Right. It doesn't scale. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so we put a structure in place that worked for a little while. Um, and it was, it was, you know, him separating it out with his key executives and his key executives, of course, are very much in line with the way he wants to run the organization, but now it's getting too big for that. So now what they're talking about is how do we get other people involved yeah. in that, but have them still thinking how my key executives think. Right. And, and, and so some of that is just explaining the culture, but even with that, if you give people measures, like, so for example, if one of the measures I have is, um, I have to keep a certain margin on my accounts. Well, the easiest way for a consulting company to keep margins is the second I lose, um, a resource on an account is I let that person go. 
right? Yeah. A lot of the large consulting companies, that's what they do. When I worked at um, a large consulting company, if, if, if my, if my uh, engagement was coming to a close, I had to send out letters of, um, you know, basically letting people know that they, it was their two week notice. And they basically had two weeks to find another position inside the organization or they didn't have a job. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't work that way. Right. We want, we don't want to lose good people. Right. And, and so it's, it's interesting, right? Because if I go focus just on the measures, I would let people go, but I can guarantee you if I tried to do that, Mike or one of the executives would stop me. So what would you, how does this tie back to the idea of the role of a business leader in a company that is making this trend? I mean, every, you, everything you said, I think is really think impactful you, for anybody, but what, what job does the executive play? You, you can't disconnect yourself from the company, right? If, if you think about the, the, the people that we like to talk about as great leaders, right? You think about jobs, you think about Gates, you think about those guys, you know, and maybe some of this is folklore, but I doubt it. You would hear about them showing up for design meetings, showing up for um, strategy sessions, and, and they're showing up, right? And they and everybody knows they're showing up. They may not know they're walking in that day, but if you know that, that, that the guy running your company or the team running your company is that invested and, and, and you don't buy into that, you're eventually going to get weeded out. Okay. Right? Those people stick out like a sore thumb, right? So everybody, we, we get it. You know, there are measures and you have to have something in place. But if you drift away from that, you're drifting away from the culture that the company wants to have. Um, other people that enjoy that culture are going to help bring that back in. Okay. Have you seen anything where um, senior leadership is sort of forming like, a kind of know, like a coaching circle or something to help each other understand the idea of being outcomes focused a little better or to make sure that what they're talking about are actually, I mean, we talked about this before we started recording about how seeing the outcomes is not always the easiest thing. Like yeah, how, do, well, how do they, how do they get better at that? Yeah. And the way they get better at that is, is, is us coaching them and helping them. Okay. You know, one of the things we do, one of the things we do in our accounts, it, it, it used to be, we would just call it um, portfolio management, like the portfolio tier. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's really important. And, you know, you'll hear Dennis say this and, um, you know, our chief methodologist, but what's really important to understand is that epics aren't just bigger user stories, right? Epics are, are, are value-based for the company, they're, they're implementing, implementing some initiative or some goal of the company. So if, if I'm going to create things that, that help my organization know how to build what I want to stay on target, then when I define my initiatives for the year, it'd be nice if they're quarterly planning, but in general, a lot of companies still do kind of a yearly planning session. Yeah. When, when I'm building out those initiatives, what we do is we work with the executives on the team to say, okay, you have this initiative, but it's not clear. We can't then tie this back because what in a perfect world, what you'd love to see is for every initiative, you could tie it to the set of epics, to the set of features, to the set of user stories. So if things are coming in sideways and you can't tie them up to an initiative, yeah. you know to look at it, right? Because it, it could be that you shouldn't be doing it, but it could be that the organization just didn't know anymore, right? Like, you know, you kind of get this weird organizational issue where some organizations are so used to doing something 
that they forget that they have to do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so you, you need to get, you need to get taken for granted basically. Because, yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, a lot of times they'll call it business run. Um, but it's hard to, it's hard to adjust those things because sometimes that business run work can, can now consume 50% of your organization and you're not putting any funding towards figuring out if you either still need to do it or if you need to automate it or if you need to just kill it, right? Or outsource it, right? If it's not one of your core capabilities, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it, right? I worked for this. I did. I was doing this one transformation for a company that did um, really their, their, their business capabilities were twofold. One was analytics on um, medical charts and the other was their ability to collect data from a medical chart. And it, and it was a combination of things. You can't just OCR that data, right? Because it's handwritten doctors and, you know, they notoriously have bad handwriting. And, and then there's, so, there's some logic you can apply based on the codes that they're using, right? Yeah. And, and so what would happen is, is they would do all this, but in order to schedule these interviews, they had to send faxes uh, because they needed documents signed. And the way the doctors like to be dealt with is you sent them a fax and they responded in fax. And that's just the way they work. Okay. Well, this this organization was they had two two full teams dealing with faxing and receiving faxes, and they were terrible at it. They would they would forget to follow <laughs> up on numbers, and and they would fax things to the wrong people. So now you got all kinds of HIPAA issues, and and it was just crazy. And and so what ended up happening is you know we're going through this analysis. So we're like, why why are we spending so much effort on faxing? Right? It's like we're not even good at it. Yeah. So they realized it wasn't their one of their core capabilities, so they outsourced it. Okay. And, and they took those those two teams, and so first of all, they outsourced it, and it ended up being like ten percent of the cost of keeping the teams and and the fines they were paying, right? Wow. And so then what they did is they took those two teams and they moved them towards um, one of their sustainability groups, and they rewrote some of their core uh, infrastructure, and they just started to grow, right? So uh, you know this is the case where. You know, they need, you know, they were doing something over and over again. And then when we finally got to them and said, look, you know, what are your strategic initiatives? Okay, I see there's nothing in here that says, you know, uh, to deal with this kind of, I forget what they call the faxing organization, but to deal with this part of the organization. And they're like, yeah. why? Is it a problem? <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, it's a problem, right? Um, and so they, they put some time and effort against it. They added it to their initiative list. And within a year, it was, it was um, outsourced. So it was perfect. So I, this is another not planned question, but do you think that uh, an agile organization, whether they're brand new or they've been around for a while, needs to have somebody who's there basically as like the murder squad, like to, to find the things that, are waste that no one's bothering to question and be like, why are we still doing this? <laughs> I think, I think every organization has a bunch of people that are saying, why are we still doing this? Okay. There is, there isn't a process for them to help get rid of the, why are we doing this? And part of the reason is, is you have initiatives that aren't clear, right? Okay. So if I say to you, you need to increase revenue by X percent, you may have a handful of developers that are saying, well, in order to do that, you're going to need to rewrite this system. I, I don't know. Is that true or not? But um, and it could be because they know that the systems like, you know, kind of hooked together with, you know, wires and, you know, four levels of manual intervention and things like that. So yeah. They understand that if you do increase sales by that, the supporting systems aren't going to be able to handle it. 
Well, or maybe no you don't to... even need to increase sales if you can reduce the financial bleeding of this internal system that's costing you so much to keep strung together. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I stepped in the middle of your story. No, 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 no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's true, right? It's, um, but again, if, if, if you can take, you're taking your initiatives, right? And you got smart people. And part of it may be that, you know, the initiative comes down and, you know, as you know, in our portfolio teams, we have enterprise architects, right? Their job is to make sure that, you know, from a technology standpoint, we can, we can handle these things, right? And it's not always that technology, right? You could have companies that are, that are agile that are building products, right? So they have a capability that's very good at creating new products. It could be hand lotion or whatever, but creating new products and getting them out to market. Right. Yeah. There may not be a lot of IT systems involved. Right. So um, you need to make sure that these strategic initiatives are coming down from the business and then the right people are looking at it as it gets down into the how are we going to implement this? How are we going to reach that goal? And, and that's why we have cross-functional portfolio teams so that we can look at that and say, OK, here's what we think we need to do. Let's start to uh, what do we need to do next to de-risk or uh, reduce dependencies? And, you know, what is it that we need to do? to help increase the flow of the system, right? And that's why that's why we have those other measures on, you know, true business agility is, is how fast, you know, do I have an idea? How fast can I get it to market, right? And there's a lot of de-risking and, um, you know, MVP kind of work. Yeah. I just had to say that uh, to do to, to <laughs> achieve those goals. <laughs> so do you think, um, I have just two more questions, but do you think that, the stakeholders, the C-level people, the folks that you're talking to, do they have the bandwidth right now to be able to kind of sit back in their chair and look at the whole picture and and say like, all right, well, what about this? What about that? Because it's almost like with what you just described, I'm thinking they need time to just not be like, you know, head up against the steering wheel, like gripping the thing, just trying to get through this one stretch of ground. They have to be able to sit back and look at the whole overall course and figure out, where are the things that I need to be thinking about that I'm not doing yet? Yeah. So there, there are a couple of things, right? Like, uh, so back in the nineties, when I had my startup, the amount of stress I had when I thought I needed a feature and I yeah. knew a competitor was doing something similar, uh, like it, it might, uh, it just make me crazy. Like I'd, I felt like I had to do everything in a day and a half. Right. Yeah. That was in the nineties. I can't imagine the level of stress that the executives are under in today's day and age. Yeah. Things move so fast. There there's it's research is so easy to get to some research is real. Some isn't. Um, and, and so there are a lot of things that are going on. There's a great book called Slack that I think everybody, anybody that's doing any type of knowledge work needs some time where they're not pressed to do something in the next three hours. Right. Yeah. You need some time to just kind of, Think about the information and deal with it. I would argue, though, that one of the issues, if, if you can um, more clearly identify what those business outcomes are, that's when, that's when you can give the information back to your leadership team and they can sit down and look and say, hey, you know, we made these decisions a month ago. Um, it looks like we're trending in the right direction. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's keep doing that. This one doesn't feel good. I don't know why, but I have this other thing that I, that I believe is a little stronger than this one. So what we need to do is, is, is if you give them a way to measure and compare those things, 
then they can kind of ignore their sunk costs and go, okay, you know what? I want to shift. And this is where you start to get real business agility. I want to shift to this thing. This doesn't mean like I'm arbitrarily going to change my mind because I talked to two big customers and they said, if we do this, they'll give us X amount of dollars, right? Um, what this is, is it's a very kind of structured approach. It's a measured approach to how I want to get from point A to point B. And that's, okay. it's not always about ROI. It could be that my customers feel that we're not predictable and I need to be more predictable. Um, and, and so what we need to do is we need to look at that. What we can help the executives with is um, understanding where is it they need to go with their organization, right? And this is what um, informs how the transformation goes, right? If I'm looking for better product fit or innovation, that's a, that's a different um, transformation strategy than I need to get really predictable and really high, high quality. Yeah. You can do both at the same time in different parts of your organization, but you need to be very clear that that's what you're trying to do. Okay. Because, you know, you know, a molecule can't hold the same space, right? You can't have water and ice at the same time. Right? Yeah. It takes two different kind of environments and, um, you know, Mike likes to say ecosystems to, to support those. And they can exist together, um, but in separate, in, but separate. Right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so one last question about the conference. What is, from the, the day that you spent there, what is the one thing that you hope everybody who came left with like burned into their heads? What is the one greatest lesson from that day that you wish everybody or hope everyone took away? I hope everybody took away the concept of driving towards business outcomes. If our agile transformation is, is helping the business achieve their outcomes, then it's doing the right thing. Um, if we're going agile just for the sake of being agile, yeah. I wouldn't spend the money. Okay. Because it's a lot of pain. And if you don't know why it, you're going it, through it, it, it's just not worth it. It is, it is a lot of pain. Yeah. Obviously, we see that um, companies that are just focused on changing. You know, IT, if you look back you know, over the years, they get stuff done, right? And, and that's what will keep happening. They'll get stuff done. But in order for the business to be able to manage and run it, we have to be focused on the business outcomes. And that's why the transformations need to be led from the business side, right? They need to be led based on those business outcomes and everybody's supporting them. This isn't a, um, uh, we're a customer of IT. This has to be a true partnership yeah. driving towards those outcomes. Cool. All right, Marty, thank you very much for doing this. Hey, thanks, Dave. It was fun. And I'm glad the talk went well. So if people want to get in touch with you, email or LinkedIn, I'm assuming. Perfect. Yep. Okay. And I'll make sure to include a link to that and to the Tom DeMarco book Slack. And as soon as they put up the video of your talk, I'll put that in there as well. All right. Great. Thank cool. you. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good day.